All right, sweet. Well, Connor, welcome to the Pickle Pod. First and foremost, doesn't Thomas look like a visor guy? I could see it. You know, I, I think there needs to be more visor guys in pickleball, and Alex Newman needs some company, and I think you could be that guy. I just started playing uh, golf 2K, like 23 on Xbox, and my guy has a visor, and it's sick. <laughs> so there's that. He's he's giving big frat visor vibes. Like, you, couldn't you? T- I could just totally see his hair sticking out of the top of that stack hat if it was a visor. Yeah, I mean, welcoming guys to the party. Like, you know, you got the Kappa Sig party, and Thomas is just there letting people in with the visor. No, he's not letting people in, dude. Are you kidding me? He's the who do you know here guy. He's for sure the who do you know here. He's kicking people out. You're right. You're right. (laughs) Yeah, that guy. That guy's the man. He has all the authority. Of course, he's got the. He's on the power trip. (laughs) All right. Well, Connor, welcome to the to the pod. We usually just uh, start off with some random nonsense like that and sort of continue with the random nonsense for about an hour and a half. couple of ground rules uh you can swear as much as you like in fact it's encouraged and if you do swear uh actually pro xr and um and access television and uh, game plus are actually matching your swearing so essentially anytime anybody swears we have to make a donation to stop alzheimer's now and pro xr matches as well as game plus and uh and access tv and those are the guys that are that are um live televising major league pickleball so basically that's pretty good so so three matches what wait what's the what's like the initial amount i don't even remember every swear is a 20 bomb all right so 60 bucks a swear yeah so that's pretty good yeah so so cuss it up um yeah go for it now we what we really need is to implement the stop Alzheimer's now swear jar on Rhett and Meyer's podcast. Now that it's part of the dink, I feel like that's got to be. Okay. Yeah. Have you ever listened we to one of those? I have not. And they're part of you guys now. So they just are publishing on our platform. We have a little bit of a partnership, but no, uh, there's no way I'm prying away the the ownership from Rhett and Meyer. Yeah, I was going to say. So then they're a dink affiliated pod or how, how does that work? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And as Zane said, we should get the uh, swear jar hooked up over there. <laughs> For sure. He'd cure Alzheimer's. Also, like <laughs> Alzheimer's. I said Alzheimer's <laughs> by accident. Just just we'll edit that part out. <laughs> um, uh, all right. So where Zane, where are we going to start? I have one question for Connor that I think falls in line of like uh, the generic things he's usually asked, but with a little bit of uh, a twist on that. Sure. I mean, go for it. All right, Connor. You yeah. were a banker in a previous life? Indeed. Were you uh so what was the firm? Can you say? Yeah, so it was DA Davidson. I was on the consumer side doing primarily sell side MA. Okay, that's that's what I used to do. What what were your hours like? Yeah, so I started uh in the heart of COVID and it was I could say that I didn't really know the weather because it was work from home. And so I would go to my laptop. It was like in a corner without a window. And I, by the time I finished up work, the sun had gone down. So I was probably talking <laughs> yeah. in those like 80 yeah. hour weeks to start. And then it got materially better. And I was able to sneak out and play some pickleball here and there. 
Right, right. Because I think like if you you look around the landscape to people who sign these big contracts, typically it's a better arrangement than what they would have been doing previously. But in your case, I imagine you had a pretty cushy lifestyle outside of the you know long hours. Um, so I don't know. It's, it's it's interesting to get the other side of it, right? Where I mean, essentially, you left something behind that is like a promised really great career track. So like down the road, do you see yourself going back to that? If, you know, at 35, you're like, my pickleball career is over, or are you full-time pickleball for like the rest of your life? Like, how do you think about that? Yeah, I, I would say it was pretty interesting. Like when all these numbers were kind of getting thrown around, I would say I was in a fortunate position where it wasn't like these earth shattering numbers where it's like, holy cow, like this right. isn't something I'd seen before. And so there's definitely some of that where investment banking has that career trajectory that's very appealing and very lucrative but i see so much opportunity in pickleball outside of just the playing that's pretty pretty exciting i mean from like camps i know i've taken a few things from how zane's done his camps and just like learning the business landscape of pickleball having that mind from investment banking i think there's a lot of ways to capitalize on that in pickleball and for sure ho hopefully i'm good enough to be able to make pickleball the only thing I have to do for the rest of my life. Yeah. You had a good yeah. point uh, in the car yesterday, coming back from, from pickle. You said, uh, Shaq made more money than Kobe and you know, Kobe's yep. probably known as a better player, but Shaq in basketball, like, you know, he has a little piece of everything and he's making a ton of money off of his name. Still, he's probably making more money now than he was as a all-star center. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, the general car insurance. Yeah, yeah, the like the random stuff that Shaq has bought, but I think he this could be incorrect. So if it's wrong, you can cut it out. But I think Shaq owns some five guys, like all this yeah, different yeah. stuff where it's just like he's so in there. And that's just the way you got to look at something like a pickleball, like build kind of your kind of portfolio. But then also it's a heck of a lot of fun to play pickleball. So don't get too bogged down and all that other stuff that you forget that it's just fun to go out right. and play Zane on uh, center court and him giving you the finger wag. Uh, <laughs> Didn't work when you well speed for up. <laughs> <laughs> so are you saying you're the Shaquille O'Neal of pickleball? I would say that's, that's a goal. I mean, I would say, you know, blending both of them together, you know, going for the Kobe on the court, but the Shaq off the court, I think are the two kind of role models to have in pickleball with just the work ethic and the business sense. Okay, nice. You took that question seriously. I appreciate yeah. that. <laughs> I was ready for it. That's that's been what I've ever since these contracts have been thrown around. I'm like, all right, let's throw some other sports people in here. And how do I do it? Gotcha. Right. Did you but, make the, the decision to go full time pickle before uh, the tour the the race for for talent started? You can call it. Yeah. So I went full time uh, probably Jan end of January, right when I. I had the PPA gold card and then I also had the MLP right. draft and that was kind of when I went full time, but then I was still doing a few things in business that I was doing on an hourly rate. But I was, I think I was talking to you the other day about it. It was just like that hourly rate compared to what you can do, like charging a pickleball lesson or mm -hmm. doing a camp. I just looked at it and it's like, holy cow, like this opportunity uh, is just pretty crazy in pickleball and 
people are excited to kind of help finance your journey. Yeah. So when you go to your bosses and your coworkers and you're like, I'm out, I'm going to be a pro pickleball player. Like what is their response? Have they been following you up to that point? Or is this like a new thing or how do they react to that? Yeah, no, they, it was funny. Like when I first started, I was like telling all of them like, Hey, like come watch me on this, like the stream and stuff like this. And then once it got a little more serious, I kind of like scaled it back. Cause it was like, am I about to leave my job? And I was like, they're like, Oh, how'd the tournament go? I'm like, oh, it went all right. And right, right. meanwhile, I had like a sick tournament. I'm like, Oh, you know, it's, it's okay. <laughs> uh, but yeah, they, they were stoked. I mean, a lot of times in IB, as you know, it's not a exit to pro pickleball. It's usually going over to PE and then it's a lot right, more right, contentious. Right. So very yeah. chill discussion. And I still play some pickle with them. And now instead of some of those senior people getting on me for a mistake and uh, pushing me late hours into the night, now we're on group chats where they're throwing some memes in there talking about pickleball and trash talking a little yeah. bit. So. That's yeah, interesting. That's awesome. Sounds like your uh, your crew is a lot more accepting than when I I left my job. So oh. I was at, I was at Deloitte until 2020, and I I was like a a laughing stock when I told them I was going to go play <laughs> professional pickleball. Yeah, I actually was on Google's homepage. You know how you open up Google and there's like four news articles. <laughs> yeah, the, right. I was I was on there, and it didn't have my name on there, but it said like. Uh, work at the big four has gotten so bad that one <laughs> accountant left to play pickleball full-time. That's, that's basically, <laughs> that's basically how, that's basically how that went for me. I, yeah, I forgot about that. Another. We covered that. Yeah, that was that wild. Was <laughs> yeah, that's um, all right. Enough with the, uh, cliche. Who are you? Uh, where did you come from? Let's talk about, uh, let's talk about nationals. Zane, did you put together this list here? Healthy list. Uh, somebody did. It wasn't me. I mean, I put together a couple things on there. Um, um, all right. Well, you guys both played. Well, so Zane, you didn't play nationals, um, but no, I'm too uh, smart to play nationals. <laughs> going from MLP to nationals, <laughs> you have no comment on that. <laughs> or do you just? What'd you say? Me? I didn't. Don't worry you. about it. They'll, yeah. get, they'll they'll get to it in editing. Um, going from MLP. Yeah, right. Going from MLP to Nationals, back-to-back -back weekends, what were the major differences? The ball. Enough said. No, uh, it was, I think, MLP, as always, is a much more energizing event. But in this case, I would make the argument, Nationals had a lot of buzz behind Pickleball Boulevard, and they yeah. did a lot of cool things with the event that, really made it more of like a festival like you think about some of those kind of day-long events that you're going to you have some booths you have different games different just activities and so nationals was almost still mlp vibes where everyone's just like kind of chilling getting loud getting rowdy right and really it seemed like it was like just like a whole week of everything and i would say probably MLP was still a little under construction. They were a little behind right. like that first day. It was a little bit dead. And maybe I think the Rangers were playing the World Series then. So maybe that was a little bit mm. of the lag in attendance. But I think they had the the parade was the the Friday of Major League Pickleball. I think they won the uh, championship on Wednesday. So okay. like it, there's still a ton of hype around the Rangers. And I know that the, the parade was Friday. So like maybe there was some 
Maybe mm. there were some hungover people on Thursday that decided <laughs> not to come out for Challenger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's also interesting. Someone brought this up at MLP or Nationals where it was saying like, and I don't know the answer to this, but do you think attendance dipped in MLP because of the change of venue? And how did that last minute mm -hmm. change affect kind of overall viewership and sentiment towards it? Because you probably had a lot right. of California people planning to come out for it as well. Yeah, like for nationals, that crowd was unbelievable. I don't, I don't know if we saw any numbers. Like, was that the biggest crowd? I think only um, Indian Wells last year nationals actually um, would rival that. But like those stands were packed all the way to the top. It was insane and i was there for the celebrity thing and i just i just remember like panning around being like this is insane i've never seen anything like this in in pickleball but yeah like the major league pickleball the weekend before was like thrown together right so there were some obvious yeah. shortcomings things were still under construction in that sense it almost looked like just the way it worked out that mlp um was second in priority to to nationals right and like if people are signed up for nationals weeks and weeks in advance you know they plan their week they plan their weekend um, they schedule around that whereas like mlp is thrown together so just naturally you're going to have less people there and i think it was like reflected not only at the venue but just watching on on the stream as well yeah i mean i think that you know mlp for they had they had a decent enough showing on that center court, right? Like the center court was was filled for the most part, with the exception of like the the very top row. And I think in nationals it was filled completely. And I'm sure that the rest of the grounds were were far more packed. Like it felt like uh, MLP felt like it was friends, family, and whatnot like showing up to to watch. Like yeah, I'm sure I'm sure yeah. nationals was probably just like random spectators. I, I can't imagine it was. I don't think that place was more, it might've, I don't think it sits more people than, um, than Indian Wells. That's for sure. Did you ever play Indian Wells? I did not. It's pretty dope. <laughs> yeah, I, I wouldn't know. But, yeah, I think a lot yeah. of people were upset that they made the, they made the change, but I don't know that that venue seemed pretty, pretty cool. Indian um, Wells or, or Brookhaven. Brookhaven. Yeah, Brookhaven was pretty solid. It like just the whole setup of that place was for a festival or for an event. Like I yeah. not being at Indian Wells for pickle. I mean, I played like junior tennis there and stuff, but it seems like Indian Wells would have been more spread out. And this was like very like you had your courts, you had the shops, and it was just very condensed. And so having less people there too makes it look like more people, which is yeah. another benefit as well. No, I was oh. I was walking around there. It was pretty insane. Even just like the vendor booths, like some of them were two stories. Yeah. And then like on championship court, you know, you had the big stands on one side. On the other side, you had two levels of seating, like multiple stories and like a bar and sitting area in, in each. Like it was it was really different. I mean, it was it was like a it was just very well done. Um but you know, they just didn't have everything put together for Major League Pickleball. You must not have had to go to the bathroom. <laughs> I went to the bathroom once and I got to go not in the porta potty, but in that like, uh, you know, it's like a trailer thing, which is like slightly nicer. But yeah, I heard a lot of complaints about the the bathroom situation. 
Yeah, where was the trailer thing? Did I just miss out on that? I was hiking way out there to go to the bathroom. It was it was tough. Yeah, you you weren't you're not the only one who was uh, complaining about that. But I think the amateurs generally did not have a a great experience at at nationals. Lots of complaints, especially when it comes to sandbagging. So they they switch from duper to is it UTPR? Is that the other one? Yeah, UTPR is the the rating system used by USA Pickleball. Right. And so they switched to that. A lot of people don't have up-to-date UTPRs because everybody's been using Duper. So like the people who won well, I think three, UTPR five, is supposed to update automatically like quarterly or something. I could be incorrect on that. It's supposed to update automatically, not as not as frequently as as Duper does. Yeah. And you can you only certain matches factor into UTPR, but you can have your random league matches factor into your duper. So duper is generally going to have more up to date and a lot more uh, matches available if it's being used by the person. Right. Yeah, I think I'm a five three UTPR, so I don't want to enter any scores in there and bring that down. And then I'm a four five duper. So. Dang, I think I'm like a four or five UTPR in one of the. Dude, I'm better than you. Everyone's been been talking about that. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) I I I think you got to throw that out there and just put it on the gram, make it known. Yeah, that's pretty solid. Wait, I was telling somebody the other day that um, when I did, when I won my first pro mixed match, and there were only two wins in my whole career, they're both pretty lucky. uh, It was at the time where like the algorithm was super reactive. So I shot up and I have like, I took like a screenshot immediately because I knew it wouldn't last for like more than a day, <laughs> but I was number 35 in the world for, for mixed doubles for like 24 hours. Pretty sick. Top, top 40 on the bio. Yeah, Old. yeah exactly. Um, but yeah, so like with the rating discrepancy, the people who won, was it three, five, the people who won three, five were like duper like over five O's and they went down, played three, five and won gold. We got a bunch of emails about that. There's like people complaining. That's gnarly. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of the same in tennis. I mean, obviously not to that extreme like that. I would hope to think like if you have a five something duper, you'd at least be like, all right, I'll sandbag in like four O or four or five. Yeah. Maybe that speaks to someone's like, just like their confidence, but it's tough to police that. And I think duper doesn't, allocate between mixed and men's doubles to like i think you guys tweeted something about or colin posted something about yeah it's on the agenda bro it's on the agenda oh, sorry i'm, I'm jumping ahead. <laughs> i, I I'm saw the agenda and i'm just trying to front <laughs> no 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 you're right so there's no there's no different a match is a match and a, a big part of duper is you know being able to evaluate a player's ability not based on age gender um ugly looks like thomas or anything else you can just have a player. Um, so it does not differentiate between mixed and men's. But I, I mean, I think it's, uh, you know, it's hard to say whether somebody's sandbagging or not because they're playing the division of their right. UTPR for the most part. And, you know, I've, I know people who are like, look, I could only play 4-0. Uh, right. They told me I could not go up to play something mm-hmm. else. Like I'm a 5-0 now. What am I supposed to do? I want to go play nationals. So it's, it's, uh, that's a bit of a, bit of a broken system. And then also you probably won your, you know, your 
uh, golden ticket, you could have won your golden ticket as much as a year ago, right? And gotten way better since then. So like, what is, that's just a, it's a weird situation where you win your golden ticket at 4-0 and then maybe you're a 5-0 by the time nationals actually rolls around. Yeah. 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 And I think that's not a new issue, not playing nationals last year, but I had some buddies who did. I heard that like the issue was similar they were like, oh yeah, like we won 3-0 national or got a golden ticket. Now we're going and playing 3-0 nationals. And this was when I was getting into it and they were probably like four fives to five zero at the time. And I, question it then and it's something that might need to kind of be rejiggered to just make it an even playing field yeah i'm not quite sure uh, thomas what do you think there what's the best way to to make that happen you're you're czar of pickleball how do you prevent sandbagging you publicly out them and shame them <laughs> that's the only way honestly that's pretty much it right <laughs> I, I remember talking to the people over at Duper, actually people who don't work there anymore, and we were like coming up with this idea to just like highlight the sandbagger of the week. <laughs> <It was> like, <laughs> it'd be great content. That would be funny. Yeah, yeah like so and so is a five seven and played in the three five division. Congratulations. Yeah, like sandbag all you want, but you might end up on Instagram. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. Yeah. Well, uh, what did you uh what did you think of just overall pro experience at nationals and the idea of the uh the progression draw that's the that's the, probably the big talking point from the player side yeah the progression draw loved it hated it was indifferent all at the same time uh i think it's a great system for viewership the fans struggle to watch it this time but i think as everything gets ironed out it'll ultimately make it easier to follow like if zane's playing you can see center court this time so better for that and better like better just experience for the viewers and for the players because now i can have lunch like a singles day you're going five matches in the day and i'm not the best at like really checking everything so it's like am i on in 10 minutes am i on in an hour you don't know right it just makes all that easier there was a little bit, and it was during the rain delay where some matches went late. I think I finished a match at, I want to say like 10.30 or 11. And then singles was slated at 10. Luckily, they were nice enough to kind of put me in the later time slot for the singles matches. So I started at noon. But stuff like that can arise. So when you are playing three different events and they are so spread out during the day, maybe having more courts is the way to do it. But then you have to look at more courts does that mean more cameras and uh just the overall kind of balance of how much you want to spend on the actual fan experience mm -hmm. so why do you think uh why do you think it was confusing for fans just because it was brand new or yeah i mean honestly like probably 10 of my buddies were like how'd you do at nationals and like these are like my diehard buddies that have group chats that are like texting each other when i'm playing and stuff just because I don't think there was like an order of play that went out as like concisely as it like should have. And so it was tough for someone to follow along where you can kind of like do your job and throw the stream on in the back. And then when someone comes on, it's like, oh, all right, we'll queue in. They're like, no idea if you're on center, what court, no idea if it's singles, men's doubles. Typically, my buddies know that 
I might have slightly better results in singles, uh, weirdly enough. Uh, and so they would queue in more on like a Thursday. And so just all these things kind of changed it up. So at least now we've we've somewhat solved the the issue of being able to tell somebody when you play, but it's mm -hmm. still slightly more confusing with, you know, what court are you going to be on? Now we need to know where are you going to play? Are you going to be streamed? At least now we've figured out one of the things, which is when are you going to play? That's a big, that's a monumental step in pickle. So yes or no, do you want 2024? I'm Connor Pardo. I'm asking you, your, your opinion. You want the PPA to be progression draw for 24. Yes. And I'll leave <laughs> it's it. A yes. Hold it. Hold it to it. <laughs> You're on record. <laughs> and like that sentiment, like, yeah, like I, I'm an optimistic guy and I think, progression draw has the most potential like if that's done well that's going to be better than if the other way is done well because you can have matches ordered very meticulously you can make sure if you have enough courts timing is better like with mixed in some of the events like you're going until like nine or ten just because it's a bigger draw you put all the quarters on center all this stuff so this way you can have a better setup. So I think it's a great system. Now, that being said, if you lose early in one, you like during the that day, you have to mentally reset. And so it's a different type of mental strength. And to be able to play three different events in the same day, it's just a very different environment. I think it lends itself to someone who plays singles and goes deep because now all of a sudden it's not Thursday two days off and now I got to figure out what I'm doing for singles on a Sunday. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Any, any, uh, any tweaks or, or thoughts on what you would, obviously this is the first time around, mm -hmm. like anything that you would do differently with the progression draw. Yeah. I mean, I think I just put like my matches on center for yeah, all there of you them. Go, obviously like that, that would be first and foremost. And then just make sure all of my buddies are on center as well. Yeah, for sure. Fly, no, I, fly them out. Like, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Like the full, like five-star hotels, like all that, get them cheering. But I thought, I think the progression draw was solid. Like, I think just getting the order of play out sooner is probably for the fans to kind of follow along is the big thing, but liked, like the format reigns a little bit out of, out of our control. So mm. no real knocks to it, except just get that information in front of the fans as soon as possible. So you think, uh, do you think, do you want to continue with three out of five for early rounds or early rounds, two out of three and later rounds, three out of five? I love the three out of five. If you're going to do a progression draw, you need to do three out of five. Okay. I, I think just because if you do anything less, you're playing one match a day. Like you can come out slow and still be able to win in three out of five. Whereas two out of three you could be on like wednesday get one chance and lose and you don't even get like the full day like it's just less forgiving and if you're only get if you're not going to let people get settled in so by the third match they're feeling themselves then you need to have that three out of five is like a way to play through okay gotcha tommy thoughts um no thoughts no thoughts he's like the kid that got called in class that wasn't paying attention <laughs> <laughs> he's just he's I, got no, I, say. I have no thoughts on the progression draw. <laughs> it's just like if i can watch pickleball we're good all right yeah perfect well personally i i like it thank you guys for asking me about my thoughts Wait, so, um, so thomas what were you thinking again sorry uh so, someone jumped in there 
Yeah, I wasn't uh, I wasn't thinking much, but Dane, hey, I know you want to stay the with floor. us. Stay with <laughs> us, Tommy. Uh, hey Zane, what are your thoughts? Oh wow, well, so, so glad you asked. Uh, I think we actually talked about progression draw a while ago. I like it. I think it can probably be done just more efficiently, like have better court assignments and whatnot communicated better. But um, I think the idea of at least having a set time for where you're going to play or a semi set time, that's huge. Uh, I think that's much more legitimate than, you know, the, uh, the whole, you know, you play at 10 AM and then you could be playing again at two or you could be playing at 10 45. Yeah. It's yeah. It's just a, that, that much is a bit of a disaster. Um, So I would love to see progression draws for 2024. And three out of five or two out of three. Um, I think you made a good point that, uh, that I think maybe you do multiple rounds of two out of three early in the week. Uh, so maybe you're doing two men's doubles, two mixed doubles, whatever. Um, I haven't thought that through completely, but like maybe some of those earlier rounds are, are shorter and multiple per day. Uh, but I think, I definitely think that the probably quarterfinals on should be three out of five. Um, yeah and then that starts on a wednesday so the other like thing that a few buddies were talking about is like now if you're like maybe matt writes a good example here have like a full-time job or like a coop like are you and they don't play singles so now you're forcing some of these doubles players to come in and play on wednesday so that's something else that just gets thrown in the equation with this fuck matt right i mean like <laughs> at this point we're making enough money where like you're either good you're either in or you're out so like we're not we, we got to take the sport more seriously you can't cater to the couple of people that still have full-time jobs like good for them that's awesome i i have a ton of respect for the people that, that have full-time jobs but the the sport can't hold itself back just because a couple of people have jobs so fuck matt right basically <laughs> i like <laughs> i like that take actually um i don't think people say that enough it's like we're always talking what? about fuck matt right because <laughs> people say that a lot <laughs> <laughs> yeah sure well let's just leave it at that because it's funnier that way um no uh no offense matt right i'm um let's be friends still uh let's talk about singles what do you guys think is think of the results so i i didn't realize that um either ben or tyson had won every nationals singles title since 2016 both of them drop and we've got J-Dub and Martinez Vic in the final. J-Dub has been relatively quiet on the single scene lately. So if you had asked me who my pick was for that match, I would have I would have picked Martinez Vic. Um, what do you guys think about the results generally? And then I also want to hear your take on playing indoor versus outdoor and how much of an impact that actually has. Yeah. Oh, uh, you? a loaded question you know i mean i think that i agree i think with j-dub uh him i played him in atlanta in a final he he comes for like the finals and in singles like he doesn't always like he'll have some early exits but usually if he's made it that far he's gonna have a good match mm -hmm. so i wasn't necessarily surprised now jaume is very like an athlete and I knew he was going to give him a lot of trouble, which he did. Uh, so good, good final match. I think 
kudos to J-Dub for coming back in that one too is definitely definitely a battle the conditions indoor versus outdoor hot cold i mean it was it was a lot i mean even coming from mlp switching from the dirt to the franklin like the people that were able to succeed in nationals were able to deal with a lot of adversity better than anyone else because yeah indoors it's going to be slightly cleaner game in the sense that ball is going to be a little faster the wind isn't blowing it you don't have these extraneous conditions and so you see uh chris hayworth take out ben indoors i think that suits his game a little better you have different situations so it's almost like instead of like you think of like a tennis tournament where it's like you're playing a clay court tournament now it's like you're playing clay for your first three matches then it's like indoor clay then maybe it's like hard court so it's like there was a lot of different looks being thrown at you on mm -hmm. the pickleball court with it so it's just who can handle that adversity better yeah yeah i don't i don't think there's another sport where the equipment will change as drastically from like one tournament to the next right for in and my opinion playing with a franklin versus era is a huge difference I mean, I think it was, uh, I was, I just saw some tennis player was complaining about um, their elbow, a tennis elbow, like flaring up because they're changing balls every single week. And they're changing, they're not changing courts every week, but every single tournament has a different ball and they all play differently. Yeah. So, really? I mean, they, they definitely do. Yeah. The conditions. Okay. Well, there goes my point. My point doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Your point was garbage. <laughs> and I'm just trying to let you know. Yeah, no, I, I mean, you like, did it nicely. So I appreciate that. <laughs> But um, so in tennis, there is there is a big difference between conditions. Uh, I, I can't really speak to to others as, as much. Right. Like basketball is very much the same thing all the time. Football, you know, you could be playing in Tampa Bay one day and then uh, over in over in uh, Green Bay. The next. With, oh, I thought you were going to go a deflate gate joke, but no, Mr. Mr. Chance. Yeah, I'm not sharp enough for that, but um. Yeah, I mean, the the conditions definitely change and change quickly. But for the most part, we're not really changing balls a whole lot. Uh, this is, what, the probably the first time this entire year we've used a Franklin ball, yeah. with the exception of the U.S. Open, which we weren't allowed to play. So this is the first time for the year that we're, we've used a Franklin ball, I think. Yeah, yeah, no, I think that isn't as drastic as tennis, but the way that the weather affects the play for sure and indoors versus outdoors, like these factors are just amplified on a pickleball court and so you have like if you're going from 80 degrees and humid to like 45 and cold you're playing a different a different game and so mm -hmm. pickleball has that ability where in the same tournament you can be playing three different styles of play and if i play you like there's probably one type of condition that benefits me more and one that benefits you and so you can get someone that uh, you have all the conditions right, and now all of a sudden you have a slight edge, even though the tournament's in Minnesota in the winter, and you're like, well, the building AC broke, and now all of a sudden it's slow ball, and you're like, all right, well, I can win this round. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. You know, there are some, some tournaments that play so much differently than others, right? Like US Open with a Franklin ball versus mm -hmm. like TOC. Yeah. It's it's it is very very different. 
Um, what what are the major differences like moving to indoor? Like, so I think people are talking about how Ben has talked about on multiple podcasts where he just thinks there's for him personally, it's, it's a major difference and it affects his play. Do you guys feel like it, it's that much of a difference? I mean, it, it's, it means no wind obviously, but then, you know, some people there's, there can be lighting issues indoors, you know, there could be lighting issues outdoors, but uh, generally indoor play is a little bit quicker it's uh it's climate controlled so you're gonna be playing in what like probably 68 to 70 degrees and so really when i'm moving indoors the only thing is it's generally a little bit faster right if you're used to playing in 85 degrees and you go to indoors the biggest difference to me is the fact that it's 17 degrees colder yeah yeah that's the main thing yeah there's not like it's probably the lighting to some extent to your point but indoors just feels like a little faster a little cleaner uh but definitely different players are used to different conditions Mm -hmm. so ben mentioned on multiple different podcasts that he hates playing indoors so he has some like what was it like an eye issue or something or another do you know thomas that that's the extent of what i know (laughs) it's something to do with the the visuals gotcha Huh. Sounds like excuses. Hayworth, clearly the goat of singles until he lost. <laughs> um, Have either of you played against him before? Is it Hayworth or Haworth? Haworth? I think it's Haworth. I I go with Chris. Chris. <laughs> you can pronounce that one. <laughs> I haven't. You ever played him? Played him, uh, I think, once in Kansas City. Yeah. But that was very, very different conditions than uh, the indoors at Nationals. Did that result surprise you like it did everybody else or do you kind of see the potential there? I he de- he definitely has some game like when we played he he was battling uh and I I think with his paddle he has the gearbox so it's a little faster so indoors like that that's a good opportunity for him to come out and play well and I mean he had the conditions but also he beat Ben 4 and 4 I believe so to do that anywhere, even if it's like Ben as a two by four is still pretty, pretty impressive. Yeah. yeah. Ben also tosses out some random losses every once in a while. It's true. Just going to, just going to say, um, was, was, uh, was Chris playing with the new gearbox, the, whatever the, the brand new one, the poppy one, I believe. Oh yeah. Yeah. Damn. That thing's wild. That thing. Cool. I do not lob people in doubles with that paddle. I will just say that. <laughs> um, well, I think it is. It, it's very interesting that we had the, the first for, for as much talk about how quickly the singles game is changing and all these newcomers who are playing awesome. It's pretty wild to have the first nationals winner, new nationals winner since what was it like 2016, 2018, yeah. 2016. Yeah, I agree. I kind of thought that uh, that how I was going to going to win that one over over W, but uh, the sweatpants really helped. I think. I mean, he he's had some great results with those sweats, so you can't you can't knock him for sure. Boost his duper with him a little bit. Um, okay, so back to the uh, back to the duper issue. So going into championship Sunday, Ben and Colin, according to Duper, had a 41% chance to to win. And Colin had reposted that they were 7-1 and one against that team. 
What do you, uh, any, any thoughts on that? Sounds about right. Uh, no, I mean, I, I think to, to our earlier point, mixed doubles is a huge factor in that. And Colin on the men's doubles court with Ben is obviously the best team and they've backed it up time and time again, mixed doubles, I would say just needs to kind of be separated in duper. And then that is a big thing for that issue, but it's tough with tennis versus pickleball. The amount of variables in pickleball are so much more. Like if you put me on the right side, my duper objectively probably goes down a good chunk. Uh, if you put me on the left, it's different. And so there are all these factors like that factors, like mixed doubles factors, like who you're playing with that really change things. So it's like, I could play with someone that I just like, let's say Zane and I just like got in a huge fight and we go on the doubles court. Now, like we have a bad loss, like obviously a random example, but there are all these other circumstances that can affect it. And so it's like, how will you mesh with your partner? So many things that it's tough for an algorithm to account for. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think it's, it's clear that, that mixed doubles is a very different skill set from gender doubles. Yeah. Some players are better at gender doubles. Some players are better that at mixed doubles. Right. Mm -hmm. And so like, you know, I compare myself, let's, let's say Eric Lang, right? Mm -hmm. Like Eric Lang, might be a better player than me in in men's doubles. I mm -hmm. think I'm probably a better player than Eric in mixed doubles. Although we beat him in men's and he beat me in mixed. So, uh, but I think it's it it's a little bit defeating for the purpose of of duper if you start to the whole the premise of duper is that everybody is just a player right? There's no gender, no anything. So I think you might have to look at what is somebody's duper when their partner is, let's say, half a point duper lower. And that might actually fix the the mixed doubles inequality, right? Because if we're playing men's doubles, pretty much mm -hmm. all of all men at the pro level are going to be within that 0.5 um, sort of range. And so let's say, I'm a 6.7 and I'm playing with a 6.1 guy mm -hmm. that might factor into my, like, I don't know what you would call it, but like your, your split duper rating. Or yeah, split, I don't know what you would call it. Duper or something. Right. Yeah. And then that would also take care of the fact that like most guys in mixed doubles are playing with a, a female. That's probably half a point duper lower. Mm -hmm. So it, maybe there's an algorithm that takes into account, the difference and you have multiple different duper accounts. I think that's maybe a way of getting around it, but I don't think they could ever come out with a mixed doubles duper because that sort of defeats their, their, the, their idea. Yeah. And I mean, then I guess if with kind of what you're saying there is duper's purpose, just to give the rec player kind of a number that's just like, all right, this player is a five, two, so he can play in the five Oh group. And if that's the purpose, then like, I personally don't put like, I look at duper, but I'm, I, and I see the stats and the win percentages. And I think that's pretty interesting, but it's not a hundred percent one-to-one as it's kind of shown there. And, but for that rec player that plays a little bit of mixed and a little bit of gender, like it kind of balances them out. And now they have validity into 
yeah, let me in your five O group guys. And so I think if that's Duper's goal, then it's crushing it. If they want to kind of really isolate the pro scene, then to your point, like that split adjusted or something like that could be valuable. All right. You guys know that we work with Biore. Uh, best sponsor ever because, yeah, we constantly wear their stuff. I'm wearing my shirt right now. I've been playing in this shirt a lot, um, but I pretty much wear it everywhere, uh, especially when I'm traveling. I wear those uh, sweatpants that they have. They have a bunch of different options. Um, I'm a big fan of the joggers, but uh, you can go to viori.com slash the dink to get 20% off your first purchase uh, and enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns that's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash the dink. Discover the versatility of Viori clothing. So Ben is a currently a 7.08 duper. And Colin is a 6.65. What do you think Ben's duper is on the... Oh, he's one point ahead of you. Colin's one point ahead of you. You're 6.64. Um... What's Ben's duper on the right side? Ben's duper on the right as side. As a right side player. I don't think I've ever seen Ben play the right side. Uh, I And you never will. <laughs> I mean, if you're good at something, you don't need to do anything else. But yeah, it's interesting because the other thing with MLP too, like you'll see Ben's partners. He has some pretty star-studded partners with his brother and Anna Lee and when he has to play with someone else that's not those two, like now he has to do other things where someone that's kind of newer to the sport or most everyone else for that matter, without set partners, they have to like sometimes go in like a carry mode and do like have to do extra stuff where he is able to and doesn't need to do all that stuff. And so he's not as used to that now, which I think is just kind of interesting. You see an MLP how, sometimes him trying to like go for more stuff isn't what he's been doing lately. So it feels a little weird to him and exposes him a little bit. Mm -hmm. Do you think, uh, do you think they can, do you think Ben and Colin beat J-Dub and Dylan with Colin on the left? I don't, I mean, I think they've been playing that way. So no, I mean, I, yeah, I would agree. The question, so here's a question that I've been thinking about that I want to pose to you guys. So when J-Dub and Dylan are playing, or no, sorry, J-Dub and Colin are playing in MLP, how much do you think they actually talk and how much do you think they're just keeping their like respective secrets to themselves so that when they play in a PPA, they are able to get the one up on the other? I think they don't talk at all because they're just not going to talk at all. (laughs) Not because they're keeping any secrets. They're not, they're not, they're not chatty together on the court. Fair. But, <laughs> like, but like, all right, so they're at dinner and the team forces them to have dinner and they're just sitting, staring into each other's like souls. Like, wait, who are we talking like, about? Is this J-Dub and Dylan? And Colin. J-Dub and Colin. Because they're oh, on okay. the Columbus sliders together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And okay. so like, because I, I just find that so fascinating. Like you have, obviously they've kind of established themselves in a lot of finals and they're competing against each other. And now you have them on the same team for MLP. Like there's got to be so much like there's got to be some chess going on is what I'm thinking. Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, I think that J-Dub is just going to do what J-Dub does for the most part. I think Colin is the one that wouldn't 
want to give something away. And now the interesting thing I think about Ben and JW is personally, I think they are two of the least deceptive players on the professional tour. You pretty much know what JW is going to do. Mm-hmm. JW is going to shovel dink his forehand. He's going to dink his backhand cross court. And as soon as he gets a backhand out of the air, he's going to flick it at the person in front of you, him and win the hands battle. Yeah. Find me a point where he does something else. Ben is going to dink his backhand sometimes to the middle, most of the time cross court, and he's going to look for the same thing. He's going to look to to speed up that that backhand flick. Ben's a little bit more versatile, but neither of those guys are a DJ Young where you just have no idea what that guy's going to do, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So I think that J-Dub is going to play J-Dub's game, and there's not really any – I don't think there's secrets about J-Dub's game. I do think that Colin plays very different according to the to the situations, and maybe Colin's not going to give something away. But uh, I don't know. What do you What do you think on it? I I mean, as I'm still learning, like I feel like there's so many different things that I am starting to pick up on and starting to like add to my game, whether it's like when I first started, it's like, oh, I'm just going to dink and just hope that I don't give him anything to attack. Now it's like I'm going to dink two here and there. And so I maybe I'm wrong, but I think there is a little bit of that that's going on where each of them have set patterns that they know work on the other and like if I was in that position, like maybe I'm not showing some of those thinking patterns or like kind of attack formation type things where it's like, maybe it's a slide and then attack. Like I'm sure there's some things like that, that I would think that they're not showing each other, but it's just very fascinating because you don't often see two players that are competing now having to share the court and play together to win. It's a good thing it's those guys and not somebody like uh I don't know, somebody who's who'd be more adversarial, I guess. Like in a in a situation where Ben and Riley have to play together. Like yeah. that'd be that'd be <laughs> very interesting. That wouldn't happen, of course. Mm-hmm. But um yeah, I don't know. You're I mean, my thing is I'm just trying to win MLP, but I'm not playing against <laughs> uh I'm not worried about playing Colin every final at the PPA. So very true. Not many of us are. Wait, so, quick, so- Question going back to Duper. What's the what's the max Duper? Is there a max? I think theoretically it's eight. I could be wrong on that. Okay. I think theoretically it's eight. Right. But uh, currently the highest Duper is Ben is double men Ben's doubles is seven point zero eight. Uh, Ben's singles is seven point one six. So he has the the highest two Duper ratings. Um, right. I could be wrong on that, but I think theoretically it goes up to eight. Um, all right. Did you guys see, uh, Leia's interview? She had two, uh, interesting suggestions. I think I saw some, uh, some headlines, but why don't you walk us through it? All I know is that she said we should change the ball to be not as dangerous and more interestingly switch to drop serve only because there's too much discrepancy in what is illegal versus illegal serve. Um, Connor, I'll let you go first. <laughs> I think Zane's trying to think about how to get his chainsaw serve into this one. Yeah, but... right. For sure. Bring back the chainsaw, but <laughs> obviously. Yeah, I mean, drop serve, sure, solves the problem for six months, and then people are going to 
how high are you going to drop the ball? Like there's, there's no way that you can police everything. And so in theory, sure. Like there's that, but I'm also of the opinion, like now other people are getting better serves. I need to step up my serve. And so I like the challenge and I'm probably not going to be flirting with that borderline, but if some people are like, if they've found a way that they feel comfortable hitting that serve, like it is what it is. Uh, so, I mean, I think whatever the rules are, just find the way to get as much out of it for yourself as you can. And, uh, changing the ball, you'll, you'll adapt, but I like the Dura, I like fast pace. I, not the guy that dinks for six hours shockingly so you know i'm for that but you make do with what you got and you can find a way to win in any way so that's the overarching theme yeah i think generally i think we have uh more interesting points with the franklin um obviously it is certainly slower right but you know, one of the things we've we've discussed is since the dura is so fast in certain conditions, if you take the wrong attack, it's just going to get shoved down your throat. So I actually think that players are a little bit more liberal with their attacks when using a Franklin ball because the counter isn't nearly as scary. You can bail yourself out a couple shots later. So I actually think that a slower ball like a like the Franklin can actually lead to more offense and more elongated firefights, which I think is what you, which at least if our goal is entertainment for the fans, I think that's what people want to see. Um, in terms of the serve, I think we need an overall objective for the serve, meaning like, is the serve something that you should use to get an advantage and people are going to try and use, or is it simply to start the point? Um, when, when the chainsaw was banned, basically the rationale from the USA Pickleball Rules Committee was that the serve should not be used as an advantage at the start of the 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 point. Mm -hmm. I have plenty of issues with that to that right, wording. That logic, but yeah. That every shot you're going to look to get an advantage for. I mean, maybe there's different wording that they could have used, but we need to figure out what we want with the serve. Do we want serves to be a weapon, or do we want serves to be not a weapon? You're going to attempt to weaponize any shot that you're going to to hit. So. I do think that the out of the air serve is a completely broken rule. And actually there's three rules. So the three elements of the serve rule are you have to make contact below the level of your waist. Most referees think of that as an imaginary belly button for a person. Belly button is not written in the rules, but that's how referees. How are do you, how do you police that? Right? Like you don't, you don't yeah. police that. Your paddle needs to be moving in an upwards direction at the point of contact when you strike the ball. How many times have you seen a post on Facebook? Is this a legal serve? It looks like you're swinging down. Mm -hmm. You can't tell. You can't tell whether somebody is swinging upwards at the point of contact. If in obvious circumstances, when somebody chops straight down or swings straight up, yes, you can. You can see that. On the borderline, there's way too much gray area. And then finally... The top part of the paddle head has to be below the level of your your wrist. You can't see that in real time either. Right. So I think all three elements of the service rule currently are are broken. Yeah. If you do if you do switch to a drop serve only, you only have to police one thing, meaning like 
you have to just make sure that the person isn't throwing the ball down or mm-hmm. throwing the ball up. And that's the only thing that a referee really needs to, to look at. Um, so, and then after that, once it hits the ground, you can swing however you want. It doesn't matter whether you're swinging down, up, left, right, whatever. So, I mean, I think it just, I think a drop serve only just takes the subjectivity of, of it out of it. I mean, like Tyson's serving from his freaking nipples, dude. Uh, and like people are going to follow suit. Um, and you know, the players aren't getting called for it. It's, it's subjective. And I think I'm not a fan of, of subjective rules. So I, I vote very strongly to eliminate the doubt and, and go to drop serve only. Ah, I did not see this coming. I didn't think you were going to be an advocate of, of drop serve. Why is that? I don't know. I just thought uh, you're typically the one who wants to innovate and loosen the rules. This is taking the opposite approach. But I guess your philosophy is if you're going to restrict some rules, then you should make it objective altogether. So there's no room for interpretation. You make it completely neutral versus nitpick like a chainsaw. Yeah, well, I mean, like I – yes, I think that whatever shot is within the rules, people are going to use to to an advantage. Now, I'm I'm less. Look, I. I any shot's going to be a weapon, right? Serve when you can spin it off your hands. I'm going to do that, right? When you can spin it off this hand, I'm going to do that. When you can serve it from your nipples, uh, I'm going to do that. Um, same with with paddles. Like people are going to find the absolute edge of, of the rules. That's what pro sports is. Um, different conversation is, is what those rules should be. I just, I don't like subjective rules and rules that can't be enforced. It's like the travel in the NBA, right? If you're not going to enforce it, is it even really a rule? Right. Who, who, Who do you remember? It was at Newport. Someone was playing Tyson McGuffin. And was so pissed and like fed up with McGuffin's serve, they just started doing like overhand serves, like blatantly. Yeah, it was Jay. Yeah, it was yeah. <laughs> and then they played doubles together after that. Right, right. Jamie put that in. We'll yeah, there we go. That, that was funny. That was wild. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, what else on? Uh, what else on nationals? Anything else? Well, obviously there was. I mean, I. I don't know how much. We shouldn't shouldn't say about this, but the whole AJ Fed or the whole uh, AJ Fed Anna Lee debacle and AJ ends up. Well, the interesting thing was like the PPAs pickleball.com, like their media arm um, tweets and posts on Instagram that AJ has been disqualified, right? This is after an altercation with Federico uh, off the court later. After taking down those posts, they say that AJ has withdrawn. I didn't know that. That's interesting. I mean, I I knew the situation. I didn't realize that they kind of changed their tone on that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I what? suppose maybe they just gave him the opportunity to say, "I'm out of here." It's maybe it's like not a maybe he withdrew before they kicked him out. I mean, right. that that at least, you know, that sort of uh, gives AJ, I feel like AJ withdrawing narrative, which which may have been correct, may have been incorrect. Like, I, I don't know. 
but I, I feel like that's a maybe a better look for AJ than AJ mm-hmm. kicked out. Yeah. Um. So different question. Do you think Federico deserved it? That does <laughs> kind of like what my question is like. How, how did that altercation from Major League Pickleball spill over into an off the court incident at Nationals? Like, for by all accounts, Fed essentially admitted he was wrong, apologized in the moment, and then apologized on video afterward, right? So at that point, you would think, okay, put it to bed. We move on. AJ had words from when it happened, but after that, you would think, okay, everybody sort of just moves on, goes on with their day, right? I think there was some chatting on social media between the two in the interim, so I I don't think, like, the issue was was kind of – dissolved say more <laughs> I, can't, I can't speak to that yeah yeah the floor is yours <laughs> no i, like, I on a, like publicly or like in the dms you're saying i don't i honestly have no like i kind of stayed out of that stuff but something via social media was going on between the two of them in the mm-hmm. interim so it wasn't that it was just kind of like random uh going forward but right yeah that was that was interesting. I mean, my my only my only comment on the whole thing would be if like I I think we're on the public stage and you got to be careful with what you're saying uh, and doing. And so you just want to try and act as professionally as possible. And obviously there are going to be some heated heated moments. And for me, at least when I'm on the court, like I'm going to let my if I like winning, do the talking. And then if I'm off the court. I think there are definitely different ways to kind of go about uh, handling something if I'm upset with someone, but definitely would talk to them. Uh, but the severity of it, who knows? That's uh, each person has their own interpretation of where they want to go. Also, like if you're going to, you know, attack somebody, probably don't do it at a PPA. Do it, wait, wait till they get to the parking lot or something <laughs> like that, right? <laughs> then, <laughs> I mean, that's, you know, that's the logical conclusion here. Um, yeah, I mean, like, I'm, I'm you know, there's, I, I can respect AJ to a certain extent for, for standing up for a partner. It, it does feel weird that it was, you know, several days later and you can't kind of talk it out. Mm. I, you know, I think it's, I think he can be, correctly angry about something and not uh not get physical but also you know aj is a different type of guy right like he plays he plays he played hockey and you know that type of thing where you put somebody up against a fence happens 30 times per game um i'm not saying it's 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 right or wrong but like people get their ass kicked for doing things sometimes uh yeah, I mean, like, it's it's a weird spot. I don't think AJ should have done it. Um, I think he should be punished. I think he should be suspended. Um, am I somewhat sympathetic? Sure. Um, yeah, I don't know if there was additional egging on, if it was just some form of, like, a sucker punch or, or something. And I, I don't know the, the details, right? If it's some right. sort of sucker punch, I think that makes it a lot worse. If there was some sort of jawing back and forth and a tussle, like I think boys are boys for a little bit um, to a certain extent. Yeah, right. I think that initial scenario on, in MLP, I thought like was like I liked it. Like 
AJ defends Annalie, like great. Federico apologizes after. Like I thought that, like for a heated situation, like everyone acted like did their part in kind of de-escalating it, and it was like there's going to be drama in the sport, and you like to see someone kind of standing up for their partner. You like to see the apology after, and I thought that that whole part of it was was solid. So what are the odds that AJ and Federico play each other first round this next PPA? I mean, uh, that if the PPA knows what they're doing, they're going to make it happen. It's like a 90% shot. I would say. (laughs) Yeah. I would say it's a very solid chance that they play each other first round. Do you think there's going to be security guards on the quarter? Is it just going to be a free for all? Uh, I bet you there, there's no security. Dylan Fraser security, <laughs> <laughs> Dylan Fraser security service. That's the next t-shirt. I'm more um, worried about what Pablo is going to do. <laughs> well, yeah, that's true. Pablo is yeah. Pablo, Pablo was, came in hot defending his partner. Yeah. Like big time. Um, yeah. So I guess there is a, a police report filed from what I understand, which that's, uh, that's wild. So do you guys think that the, uh, if, if, AJ withdrew or if AJ um, was kicked out of the tournament, do you think the PPA behaved accordingly or do you think they should have done more, less, stayed out of it? What do you guys think? I don't know what they did and didn't do. All I know is that they changed their tone on it. I thought it was funny that they like put out a post for like a few likes, like just like putting AJ on blast before the situation was handled. Maybe that was just like a social media manager or something, but then it's they news, take the post down, but then they put another post up and it's different language. I thought that part was just, just odd. Yeah. I mean, I think if you're a governing body, like you want to make sure your players are protected, but you also don't want to jump to any conclusions. And so having that conversation, if they had that with AJ and handling that, I think is a good first step. And then you, don't rush any conclusions. You figure out the next logical course of action, what whatever that may be, and then do that. So at this point, I mean, there's nothing to suggest that they haven't acted accordingly, but right. who knows? I mean, there's probably going to be some talks with both of those guys just with kind of the whole situation, and time will tell, I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. What are you guys hearing about San Clemente? I'm hearing a, a, f- a few different things that they're sort of weighing different options as far as whether to do normal event, some sort of championship event with previous winners, or not have it at all. What would you guys like to see, and, and what are you hearing? I can't really speak about uh, that right now. Connor, go ahead. <laughs> I think Zane just wants a championship so he doesn't have the breakers coming at him and taking him down. But uh, We're not worried about the breakers. <laughs> that's their first mistake. Uh, but, no, I mean, I, it'd be awesome to have the event. It sounds like it could happen. Uh, who knows? But excited to play for one more time and show everyone who the best team in pickleball is. We're all eagerly awaiting. Um god i'm such an asshole wins one mlp total ass (laughs) um i i actually kind of i like you know if they're going to modify formats or whatever i like what johnny 5.0 put out there what with there's four teams that have won an event which would be the season one seattle pioneers season one mad drops season two dc and season 
to squeeze and having, Mm -hmm. you know, a little round robin of that group round robin type of thing, I I think could be very, very interesting. Like you have a round robin and the top two teams play a final. Um, Yeah, but you would have to include the other, like the teams that won challenger this season and last season. You could you could do the same thing for for challenger, right? So you would have the heart. Well, you'd only have three. How many teams won a challenger event though? There was Chicago. There was um, breakers. Breakers. The break. Okay, so you do have four. And the heart eights. And um, Dallas won when we were playing last. Dallas year. won one. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you you could do the same thing for for challenger as well. Yeah. And I don't, there wouldn't be any over. Alshon would be the overlap. Because Alshon won one for mm-hmm. uh, for right. the uh, breakers. Yeah. Last well, time. well, the question then becomes like, so you're, it's like just players from a winning team get picked up in a premier pool. So it's like the Madrops team, like those, because you're not going to have the Madrops in premier this season. So right, right. But it would be the Madrops team. It would be the it would be Julian Thomas Irina. And um, that would seem odd, though, that Catherine. that that would yeah, be weird to bring the team back together when they're on different teams now. But they wouldn't be on. Sure, they're on different teams. But if they're not going to have a San Clemente event, then that team, the the current Mad Drops is no longer like the, the at least those 16 players from those four teams were all separate. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then it discounts like those other teams it discounts someone like me or like a pablo who moved up from challenger and then doesn't get a look at that and you could argue that those players got their payday in the first half of the season so if you want to do like kind of a like a abbreviated format maybe you take the top four teams in premier or six or whatever it is and then them have a playoff versus like a past champion because it's kind of like now all of a sudden, like in basketball, you're or football, you're looking at like last season's Celtics or whatever, mm-hmm. and trying to play them against the current Golden State Warriors, and you're like, this feels kind of weird. True, and it would give them an opportunity to to basically make more money off of having a a, a good a very good team in one event, right? Like yeah. you just you get to arbitrarily sort of reunite an old team. Like I mean, I think it would be a very interesting weekend. Um, mm-hmm. I think that would be, I think that'd be a pretty epic weekend. Yeah. Um, I think there's there's some holes in it, but I thought it'd be interesting. I I don't know. I don't know what uh, I don't know what San Clemente looks like for mm-hmm. three weeks from now. Yeah. yeah. And are you anybody knows? Are you playing the super or the PPA doubles? Are you in that? Uh, I'm not. No. Okay. You. Not in doubles or mix, but singles. Mm. I was close in doubles, but no cigar. Yeah, I don't really think I played enough tournaments to uh, to actually qualify for one of those things. I think I, I did not play uh, enough. <laughs> Mixed is gnarly. Top eight guys, like that's brutal. That's tough. Like doubles, I feel like everyone probably thought they had a chance. Singles, anyone who plays singles probably thought they had a decent chance. But mix, you're just kind of like, all right been real i'm not getting into that one unless you're one of those guys on podiums quite a bit okay 
yeah, well, hopefully, it'll, hopefully we get to see uh, something about what San Clemente looks like uh, pretty soon here. Um, cool. Well, Connor, I know you you got to get out of here in a in a couple minutes. You got a, a flight out. Um, Tommy, any any last questions for uh, for for Connor? Nope. I think we covered it. Sick. Pickle pod. Say it. Nice. Pickle pod. Nice. Oh, he whispered it. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie, dog.